You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Well, welcome to the Vineyard on this glorious Mother's Day. It's good to be together. May the Lord just come upon us in a very special way today. I've always have, have great faith on Mother's Day. It's the day that uh, the Lord released kind of the, the genetic makeup of the vineyard on Mother's Day. As years ago, Lonnie Frisbee came and shared his testimony on Mother's Day evening, and the whole gymnasium exploded uh, in love in a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, with signs and wonders. And so I, I always look forward. I'm, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? How do you want to get out of the box? Yes. We want you out yes. to where you can move and, and meet with us in ways that will be transforming, that will have an impact. Mm-hmm. So Mother's Day. Did any mothers get sung to this morning? You woke up and the kids were singing, singing to you. Nobody? <sighs> well, I guess I'll have to sing to you then. Oh, jeepers, we want to bless you. <laughs> There's something about songs, though, isn't there? There's something about singing that, that releases something. You know, that's why, you know... In church life, there can be so many different kind of worship wars going on because people love to sing and they, they have a, a particular kind of style that they really connect with. And it, it, by listening to this morning, I'd say this is not a country group. I mean, I really expected when Gloria started that second song with that little country twang, I figured this, this place would be rocking, this place would be cooking, but... Uh, how many like country music? That was true bluegrass. That was true bluegrass. Did it catch you by surprise? And you just weren't prepared for it. Was that the first time we ever sang that song? We've done that song before, but never like that. Never like that. Okay, John. We got some requests here how to how to tune that. Where's the banjo? Where's the banjo? Yeah. Come on, those synthesizers can do a banjo sound, can't they? <laughs> okay. One who has very little music knowledge, uh, theory, ability, I can play music on my phone. So that's, that's good. But uh, music is powerful. Music just connects with us at an emotional level, at a spiritual level. It, it has the ability to change everything. Have you ever just been going through your day and all of a sudden a song comes on and you remember the first time you heard that song and, and now you're back to fourth grade? Or for us, it would be Fox's roller skating rink. Boom. Where we'd be roller, roller skating to those songs and, and those kind of things. Music is amazingly, it, it, it's, it's got special power and uh, it's, it's different than talking. You can, you, can tell, you can tell your beloved that you love your beloved, or you can serenade her. 
or him? We'll let serenading go both ways. We do this at uh, Camp Amigos. Started years ago with Scotty, uh, Scotty Mitchell, and he was in love, and he went over, and one night he got all the guys in the, in the boys' dorm, and they went across to the women's, to the girls' cabin, the barn, and they started serenading the girls. And little did they know that they were going to start a tradition that continued for 20-some years. I think like 25 years now that's been going on. And the crazy thing, you know, here as a counselor there, and I'm there and I'm with the kids and I'm just saying, oh, this is, this is adolescent nonsense. You know? And then you get into it and you start to see the impact that song has. And as singing goes forth, all of a sudden, you start to really sense the presence of the Lord coming down. Even though the, some of the kids have made up the songs, but they'll sing like four or five, six songs back. And, and some of them will always have a, a spiritual dynamic. And, and the Lord would be really touched by the love that would be expressed from the boys to the girls and the girls to the boys. And it was just like, wow, you can't underestimate the power of, of singing. So that gets us to Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now we're going to look at this in the larger context of, of this passage. But that's the verse that I, I came across as a kid. And I just loved that verse, you know. And I thought, man, this is so amazing. And, and I, I like to read it in, in different kind of uh, paraphrases. I like the paraphrase on this because, you know, sometimes when they're trying to express how God is releasing his affection and his joy over his children, you get the, the pictures, at least I do, of someone who's doing backflips. Just so excited about the loved one that he's head over heels in love with that he's, he's doing backflips. He's dancing. He's, he's spiraling, he, he's spinning and twirling and all that good stuff. It's just amazing. And so I've always liked that verse. I always thought it was really fun. But have you ever read it in context? We love to just take certain verses because they're just so rich and, and pull them up out of context. <laughs> but Zephaniah... Zephaniah is, a, is one that we call a minor prophet. He's like the fourth generation down in Hezekiah, King Hezekiah's line. So he's, he's got a royalty in his bloodstream, but he's a prophet of the Lord and he's serving in the temple. And so he's, he's doing all of this for Israel, uh, really for Judah, the Southern kingdom, not the Northern kingdom. And his message starting in Zephaniah 1, 2, and, and then we get to 3, is about the judgment that's coming. Just as, as the northern kingdom has, has rebelled against God and gone into slavery, now the southern kingdom is rebelling against God and they're heading into slavery. And Zephaniah is announcing to them the coming punishment. And isn't that a wonderful context for you to get a love song? Kind of crazy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you look at chapter 3, you know, it's talking about the future of Jerusalem. 
and the, the oppressors that are coming and all the things that he desires to do at the beginning of the chapter. <sighs> He's hoping he'll find meekness. He's hoping that he'll find uh, humility. He's hoping that he'll find somebody that trusts in the name of the Lord. He's hoping he's, he'll find somebody that still believes in God. And uh, it's in that context that he starts in verse 14. Hmm. Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is a mighty, he is, he is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. The sorrows for the appointed feast I will remove from you. They are a burden and a reproach to you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppress you. I will rescue the lame and gather those who have been scattered. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. Father, give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church. Open our eyes and our understanding and our hearts to you. Let the fullness of this passage come to us and transform us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hearing the song of the Lord. Mm. I thought it was good for us to look at it in context today because originally I was just ready to, to jump into verse 17 and just go for it and preach that, just verse 17. And yet I realized that there's, there's people here that may not feel like they're all ready to rejoice with where they are in life and what's going on in their Lord, in relationship to the Lord. And so understanding that in the context, the people are so close to being sent away in captivity. They've rebelled, they have sinned, they have turned their back on God, they've disobeyed, they haven't been faithful. All of this is the context of, in which once again, he expresses his love to his people. Now that does something to me. To me, that, that helps me understand the greatness of the Father's love. So much of what we encounter here on earth is such a conditional love. If, if you're behaving well and if you're doing good, then we kind of hope, you know, God's going to be pleased and we have a little higher expectation of being aware or experiencing his love. But here they are with absolutely no hope of being loved and he chooses to express his love. I just love this. What does he sing? Why does he sing? 
because he is a God who loves. And this is his people, his disobedient people. This is his unfaithful people, but this is his people. He still calls them his. He still owns and acknowledges that they belong to him, even though the metaphors of scripture is that they've been like a prostitute that's running after other gods. Uh, they're, they're, they're unfaithful. And yet he continues to pursue. What does he sing? He sings with joy. It's in the midst of his rejoicing that he sings. Wow. That to me is just unbelievable. He rejoices over you. He sings with a heart that's full. And when I, when I look at Zephaniah, I, I can't help but think that he's getting some kind of ability to see into the future and to see into what the Messiah is going to do. They're always looking for the Savior to come. And it's almost as he, as, as he pens this prophecy that these words go so hand in hand with what Christ has secured for us when he came in a human body and walked upon the earth and died upon the cross. It's so amazing. So it's in the context of judgment that he rejoices over us with singing. And when we hear this, it's the reason why we sing. That's what he says. He says, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. And so here, the cry is for us to sing because the Lord has sang over us. Mm. Here's what he says he's done. Why do we sing? We sing because of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. One, he has taken away our punishment. Do you realize that upon the cross of Jesus, the cross of crucifixion that Christ took and paid for all of the sins that we've ever committed or ever will commit, he has paid the price. He has taken the punishment. The chastisement of our sins came upon him. He bore it all for us. The Lord has turned back our enemy. Wow, that was really good news for, for the Judeans. They really needed to know that. That the, the army that was advancing against them, the Lord derailed and it ceased and it did not come at this time. Upon the cross, the three days, Jesus, as he descended, he disarmed all the powers and principalities of the kingdom of darkness. He did a blow to the evil one that brings us into a place that we do not have to fear the enemy. We still have to be aware of his ways and his schemes because most of how he affects and how he fights is through lies and deception. He has been detoothed, declawed. He has, he has been, as a, as a lion, he has been, he's a pussycat. I thought I saw a putty cat. He no longer has the same ferocity that he once had. 
except for those that don't know who they are. If he can deceive us, he will go about roaring like a roaring lion. Thank you, Marcus. But it's a, it's a facade. If we understand our position and all that has been afforded to us in the armor of God, and we resist the evil one and we draw near to God, we will defeat him not one out of three times. We'll defeat him every time, every time that he comes. Why are we to sing the Lord is with us? Emmanuel, as Jesus was on the earth and the 12 walked with him and the multitudes got to experience him, now through his death and resurrection and ascension, he has released the Holy Spirit and now we have God's presence with us all the time, all the time through the Holy Spirit. So we have no need to fear any harm, any harm. I like that. I need to remind myself, why are you afraid? Oh, Richard, the lion-hearted, why are you afraid? The promise of Scripture is that he will not do any harm. The Lord is a mighty to save. He's mighty to save. So we finally get into verse 17. He's mighty to save, which who can save? The, the word here for mighty is, is that word that's associated with the, with the holy warrior, the warrior. Back in the old days, remember mighty warrior? Dress for battle. You guys remember that? Yeah, some of us are old enough to remember that. It was one of the songs, that every time we sang it, it changed the whole atmosphere of the church service. We, we went to nice, peaceful little singing songs about Jesus to going militant and realizing that our Savior is the general of all generals. He's the King of Kings. And that there is not one adversary in the universe that can stand up to him. And so as he dresses for battle and we're in his army, we're right there with him. It's, it's better than onward Christian soldiers. And I don't want to take away all those that love that beloved hymn, but uh, it's, it's amazing that the Lord is the commander in chief. He is the one that's in charge. And there's nothing in the kingdom of darkness that can come against us. Mm. Fifth, the Lord takes great delight in me. <clears throat> When we get a revelation of how, how much the Lord loves us, how much he understands that we are his son and daughter, when we understand that he speaks to us of his divine pleasure, we get his approval, what would happen to your heart if you could hear Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit come to you and say, with you, I am well pleased. think you'd start singing? I think that would do something to your heart. I think that would do something that would cause us to so engage in a relational conversation with him that we couldn't help 
but go beyond talking into singing, we'd have to sing of his great love. We'd have to sing of our love to him. We'd have to give expression that would go from our heart to his heart. And it says, the Lord will quiet me with his love. Wow. In the midst of, uh, of the chaos of how circumstances and life can, can do, just take your worst day and realize that his desire is for his love to come over you and to just bring a quietness to all the noise that the world brings. He wants you to be so secure in his love that you will just sit and be at peace with him. Hmm. The Lord will rejoice over you with singing. Uh, last week we, we hit a little bit about the song. And I think it was Mike that shared something about hearing the song that he's singing over you. We were talking about responding to him with song. But I loved, I believe that was Mike, wasn't it? Did I got the wrong person? He slept since then. But it was, it was, or maybe it was Neil. Somebody from over here shared about hearing the song that he's singing to you. And I thought, oh man, that is so good. And as we look at it again today, the, the concept of song, the Lord will rejoice over me with singing his song over you. Wow. You know, he's got a new name for you, the scriptures tells us. That, that's a name that's only known to him until he reveals it. So there's a, a new name that he has for you. There's also the song that he has for you. And I would encourage you to spend time with him and see if you can hear into heaven and hear what they're singing over you. Then through the rest of the chapter, it, it just comes with all these incredible statements, uh, past, present, and future, future statements, that he will remove sorrows. Those things that become burdensome, whether they're religious things or whether they're worldly things, whether they're traditional things, whatever it is that becomes burdensome and causes a, a, a reproach, those are the things that he wants to remove, the sorrow that's associated with those things. I love him for removing sorrow. He repeats again his dealings with all those that would come to oppress us. Do you realize he is a father who can beat up anybody else's dad or anybody else's big brother? He is mighty. He's a warrior. <laughs> and he will deal with those who oppress you. Now, a lot of times we, we, we look at situations and we suffer at the hands of, of oppressors and we say, God, why aren't you dealing with them? I want you to know that he's not bound by time and space. The Lord will deal with everyone who has been oppressive to you in your life. When you get to Revelation, the book of Revelation, and you start seeing the bowls that are being poured out, that's payback for all those that have oppressed God's people. There will be a day of accountability for every unjust suffering that you've experienced. That's why he says you don't have to take vengeance into your own hands. 
release vengeance to me, I will repay. The Lord is the only one who has the wisdom and the ability to know how to distribute his vengeance. So that gives us an ability to to release all those who have done wrong to us to, to the Lord, knowing that in due time, he will settle all accounts. Now, my hope is, and the reason why I, I think the Lord doesn't do the eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth in, in the immediate present, so that if Jim hits me and knocks out my tooth, I hit him, knock out his tooth. You know, that, that was the current understanding of, of justice. But the Lord is not bound by time and space. And how many people, through the evil that they've done, the Lord has ministered and been able to reach through the consequences of that evil and bring something redemptive. And so he knows how to do that. And I'm glad he he does because I look at all the ones that I've harmed, all the ones that I've oppressed, all the ones that I've done wrong to. (laughs) And, And since I've come to Christ and asked him to forgive me and to forgive me for all those offenses. And as he brings those to my awareness, I go to those people and I ask for their forgiveness as well and try to make amends, try to make things right. And as much as it's able, I'm able to. And in as much as in going to them, it won't cause further harm to them. I'm just glad that the Lord knew that I would respond to his love one day. And I pray for everyone that has done wrong to me that they will respond to his love someday. And that's why vengeance needs to be suspended and released to the Lord today and not taken into our own hands because you don't know if that person is finally going to come face to face with love and truth and salvation and repent of all their sins and really become a brother and a sister in our lives. Okay, that was free of charge. That wasn't in the notes. Mm-hmm. He says he comes to rescue the lame. He will rescue the lame. One of my favorite, favorite miracles in the New Testament is in Acts chapter 3, the lame man. As Peter and John are going to the temple and and he leaps and he's praising the Lord, he's healed. Just an amazing miracle takes place and as a result, it disturbs all of Jerusalem and it turns everything up, the religious Leaders are all in a tizzy. Everything goes crazy. But he rescues the lame. Here the concept is is a nation that's going into the, the potential threat of going into exile. How are the ones who can't move going to be able to return home? If the choices that we've made causes us to be in another place where we are not at home. How do we get home? He says that he will rescue the lame. He goes to those that can't, who've lost their mobility and he gathers them and he brings them. Now, to me, this is spiritual that he brings them and they're gonna be with them for eternity in heaven, but it's also current you know, in, in, this, in this case, he found a way 
for the people when they were to return out of exile, for even those that, that were lame were able to return home. I like to look at it more in the New Testament perspective of healing. In the Acts chapter 3, the one who, who does not have the ability to use the full ability of their legs, their feet, are brought into a healing experience by the power of God who's able to rescue them. He goes and gathers the scattered ones, and that's those that are in exile or those that are, that, that, that are far off. We're going to get to home here in just a second. He, he gathers them. He says, I will give them praise and honor in every land where they were put to shame. Now, I like that kind of payback. Every place that, that we have found shame, the Lord wants to take and bring praise and honor to us in those, those places, those places. Now, spiritually, I think that's a powerful principle of the kingdom that we just don't want to extract principally, but, but we want to see the truth of that. The areas where the enemy has done his best work in your life, and it, and it was with the intention of destroying you, it was with the intention of causing you to move far away from God and never be able to connect to God. Those things are the very things that the enemy tried to do and he's tried to bring shame because shame is, is the thing that causes us to feel like we should never be in God's presence because we're so ashamed of what was done to us or what we did. And so we're shamed out of, out of his presence. And here he says, every place where that happened, the Lord wants to bring honor and praise to you. Now let's just take a few moments and do some therapy. Just open your heart and invite the Holy Spirit to go to every place where the oppressor has brought shame into your life. And the Holy Spirit may, may cause you to remember a, a specific moment in history, a moment in time and space, when someone did something that caused you great pain, suffering, shame. And know everywhere where the enemy's done that, the Lord wants to bring honor and praise in that place. Come, Holy Spirit. Bring the honor and praise in those places of our lives, in those places of our history where the enemy intended the shame to be so great that we would never, never even attempt coming before you ever again. Mm. Thank you, Lord. He once again says, I will gather you at that time. I will bring you home. Ah, is that good news? Come home. Oh. I will give you honor and praise among the peoples of the earth. I will restore your fortunes before your very eyes. 
How many things has the enemy taken from you that the Lord wants to restore today? I've mentioned as a, as a little boy, I, I heard the stories of my grandfather, my father's father, and how he was such a hard worker and he, he built up some wealth and he bought a hotel he built up some wealth. He, he had a restaurant. He built up some wealth. <laughs> and he had a grocery store. And, and he, he was one of those pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And, and all these, my dad would say there, there was, my grandfather had three fortunes. And he lost all of them. Swindled, dishonest dealings, Foolish choices, but he lost all three fortunes. Otherwise, I might be before you as a very rich pastor, but I'm not. <laughs> but I think, Lord, I want the restoration of all the fortunes that are supposed to be ours. In Third John, the Apostle John writes and says, I want your soul to prosper. I want you to prosper physically. I want you to prosper financially. I want as you prosper for your soul to prosper. The, the deepest and best prosperity is the, having a prosperous soul that comes out of a full relationship with Jesus, Father and, and Holy Spirit. And out of that, so don't mishear me and think that I'm talking about uh, name it, claim it, and, and, and everybody needs to be proving that God loves you by driving a pink Mercedes. Not, not, not talking about that, but I'm talking about, do you realize you have a father who loves you and is concerned about everything that the enemy has stolen from you? And if he prophesies through Zephaniah, that he wants to restore the fortunes that were taken from you. Now, if I was an Israelite at that time, I would want the restoration that was known during the, the reign of King Solomon. The, the, the vastness of the wealth of Israel. And now, having the northern kingdom gone to exile and soon the southern kingdom goes into exile as they return, as they return back, the promise is that the Lord wants to restore the fortunes. I don't want us to take a, a low worm self-image that says I'm too humble to ask for fortunes. At the same time, I don't want us to be arrogant and go on that I deserve everything in the universe and have an arrogance and an entitlement and a greed. But I do want us to have a healthy understanding and respect for God's word. Lord, what does that mean to me? How do you want me to stand under the truth of your word written in the Bible that you've come to restore the fortunes? that were stolen from me.
He wants to do it right before your very eyes. I like that. You're not going to go to bed and wake up and boom. No, it's going to restore it right before your very eyes. And I know many of us, the most precious fortunes that we've lost is relationships. And to see the Lord restore relationships. Oh, man. That is so wonderful. So with that in mind, let's pray. Lord, as we look at the richness of, of this passage of Scripture in the Old Testament from an incredible prophetic brother, servant of yours, and as we look at it and, and look at it historically, look at it as it applies to us today, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would help us understand the fullness of what this word means. What is it that's in your heart that you want to communicate to us? It seems like we're so, we're so reluctant to believe that you really love us as much as you love us, that you rejoice over us as much as you rejoice over us. It seems that much of, of our upraising in the church and the, the teaching that we've sat under has caused us to, to think that we're supposed to, we're supposed to suffer. And Lord, there is a, a sense in which you've called us to suffer as you've suffered. But I pray, Father, that we would be able to apply the truth of all the suffering that Jesus has done, all that he has taken, the punishment of all our sins upon himself. May we understand that you're not angry with us. May we understand that you love us. May we understand, even as, as seen in the Old Testament, that you rejoice over us with singing. Mm. That you fight for us. That you want to bring us home. That you want to restore our fortunes. So, Father, I stand and I say, Lord, everywhere where we have been unjustly suffering and resources have been taken from us, and I, I think of even medical stuff, Lord, I think of hospitalization, and then all of a sudden the insurance isn't paying what they're supposed to pay. Lord, I ask now in Jesus' name that you would make right the wrongness of the systems of this world, Lord, that you would trump the power of corporations, of government. Lord, that you would be able to release the resources that need to be released so that your children will have their fortunes restored. Lord, whether it's money, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, I pray for the full restoration of all fortunes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's Mother's Day. Make sure you bless all God's image feminine, you beautiful creatures, 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 you beautiful creations, you beautiful creatures. Yeah, we put them together and we get the creatures. Yeah, you're amazing.
And so let's make sure we bless all the women today, all the girls, all the precious ones that are females. And uh, let's, let's continue to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. I think you're going to really enjoy what Ashley has to minister to us this coming Thursday. So if you can at all make it, be here at 6.30. 6.30 the service starts. And uh, we really focus on, on the ministry of the Holy Spirit on these Kingdom Life Nights. And she's got a, a, she's got a few things that the Lord's given her uh, in her new motherliness uh, that I think it's just going to bless, bless all of us. I know I was blessed that she was sharing with me some of the things that the Lord's been laying on her heart. It's going to be a wonderful time. God bless you. Pray for one another, love on one another, and uh, let's continue to walk this incredible journey together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.